Kizzy's Friday Game Changers, taking your business to the next level. I'm Kate Bell, founder of Zip Us In, and I love listening to Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. Coming up on Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. The temptation to compromise in your vision is very real, and that's in a number of reasons. I think you're defined by the good work you do do, but you're also defined by the good work you choose not to do. I'm Peter Watson, the Managing Director of Distract, and I've got kind of four main tips really for any entrepreneurs out there who are trying to kind of grow the business and get started. Um, so the number one thing that any entrepreneur right now is just to start, right? There's a lot of people I call entrepreneurs out there who talk a good game, but actually never actually do anything. So the first thing is get started, get moving, keep going forward. And the second thing is actually focus on surviving for the first 12 months. There's a big, entrepreneurs are really kind of ambitious people, right? But the key thing is just survive for the first 12 months before you try and do anything crazy. And that means don't hire too fast as well. There's a big sort of like egotistical way about how many staff everyone's got. But the reality is try and survive for the first 12 months. Try and be very busy and just kind of keep alive. Um, But the most important thing I would say that has really helped us over this time is Find people who have done it before. Find experts that have helped you, that can help you um, kind of muster the courage and carry on going forward. One thing I'm doing to help with entrepreneurs right now is I'm documenting my whole process of my journey of an entrepreneur for the next 20 years on YouTube. Um, it's called Inside the Journey. And also I document every single day on Instagram at PWatto. From the Business Game Changer Studios, welcome to Kizzy's Friday Game Changers with your host, Kizzy Nkwacha. Kizzy is the publisher of Business Game Changer magazine, editor of the successful Women in Business book series and the best-selling Every Entrepreneur's Guide series. Every week, Kizzy and his guests provide you with the tools you need to take your game-changing business to the next level. Now meet your host, your mentor and your fellow game changer, Kizzy Nkwacha. Hello and welcome to Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. Now, if I said to you that brand experience marketing plays a critical role in the success or failure of your game-changing business, would you know what that means? Don't worry, you're not alone. My next guest is going to explain how and why brand experience marketing is just as powerful as ads you might see on the TV or at the cinema. If you have a game-changing business that you know could potentially disrupt the industry, you really can't afford to miss this show. This is Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. Listen, learn, and innovate. Hi, my name's Andy Cracknell, Digital Awareness Game Changer Strategist at the GC Index, and I've been a game changer for 14,600 days. That's why I listen to Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. Hello and welcome to the show. Jonathan Emmons is the founder of Amplify, the brand experience agency for global brands such as Airbnb, Google and Nike. If you want an idea of the impact Amplify is making in the world of brand marketing, listen to this. Amplify grew 92% last year, an insane figure by anyone's account, 92% last year from 13 million to 25 million, which included new hires and an increasing international presence with a launch in Australia. Jonathan, it's great to have you with us. Lovely to be here. Thank you. 
Jonathan, why is brand experience so important for businesses? Uh, I think there's a number of reasons. I think like brand experience is definitely feeling quite hot right now, but it's been around for ages and it's kind of from events to experiential into brand experience. I think that I think there's a number of reasons why it's uh, become uh, increasingly important. I think in the world we live in, there there's so many messages going out out there. Actually, trying to get start or maintain or build a conversation with an audience is actually increasingly difficult, even though there's a plethora of media choices. So often, what the brand experience is is the kind of heart or halo that can drive those communications beyond. It's a chance for the brand to kind of meet face to face with their audience, and, and it's a chance to try and drive drive those communications forwards in a kind of way that shows they shows they actually mean it so authentically credibly they can connect with those audiences would you say given your level of involvement in the industry that the growth of brand experience is linked to the growth of social media uh yeah they are natural bedfellows so i guess digital social they they work work in tandem and i i guess that's where the name amplify came so 10 years ago where it was probably called experiential rather than brand experiences it's going through its evolution and you know digital was his early stages then and then social was obviously kicked off during those times I, th- I think where amplify what when amplify started just over 10 years ago was at that time we were kind of inheriting advertising ideas that were designed to work on a 30 second spots or four page ads that hadn't really been considered in all the other channels and how they would drive forward because tv was kind of king um the other uh, and often what happened you get get this advertising idea and it's just go away and make it work in the channels and that's that's not just brand experience that's pr or some of the below the line channels as well and our kind of take was actually you needed to have a brand platform not just an advertising idea that looked great and great and everyone got to shoot this amazing ad you had to have a brand platform that could work across all those channels uh, and be amplified at every touch point so what we did was pull together a team of a brand experience led agency but we actually push into all the other bit, other areas as well because unless those uh, that experience is amplified you're not going to get the reach you're not going to get the roi you're not going to get that and obviously when social building as it has i think i think there's two things with that that the on the tech side the social has allowed things that often that can be experienced by um, experienced by few but seen by many so it allows you to get the kind of reach that you would do and get the kind of numbers and i guess one of our pioneering values was always trying to get the measurement that the more traditional forms of media had uh, um, but applying it to worlds that that were at that point new and uncharted so brand experience uh digital social and actually put those metrics in so i think it gives the brand market um, brands a reassurance that they're getting the reach that they had from their more traditional forms um because we can track it now as well i totally agree i i think that tracking is so so important because transparency is one of the factors fueling the growth of social media marketing wouldn't you say the, the, yeah absolutely and the other thing i think why brand experience is really having a kind of a, a renaissance again is those very that those providers of social and tech are, are are also some of the biggest players within this area so if we look at our client lists it's often the the ones now where where it's always traditionally the the nikes or the red bulls who are, you know, are always doing always doing amazing work often you know if we think of our big clients it's the googles it's the facebook's it's the spotify's it's the netflix it's all the brands that kind of 
predominantly live behind the live behind the screen, which is great, and they're dominating in those areas. But something like Google and Facebook are often doing between 500 and 700 brand experiences a year, and you think, well, Google owns the internet. Why are they doing this? And I think actually, what they need to do, they still need to use that kind of the power of brand experience to engage audience, whether it's consumer or whether it's B2B. So it sounds like this um, brand experience marketing is an ongoing process. But let me just take you back a few years, 10 years to be precise, when you first came up with this idea for Amplify. 10 years ago, you decided that you were going to disrupt this industry with this incredible service. What type of challenges did you face in those early years and how did you overcome them? Uh, <laughs> I think it's just determination and a, and a chance to see things better and I guess when I prior to setting up Amplify uh, been working on I, I saw the opportunity for brand experience to drive communications and drive those channels rather than be the event or party that was stuck on the end of a campaign so at that time I was working with Orange and PlayStation and brand experience were kind of integrated and part of the interagency mix and sitting at the top table defining defining the direction and being a viable channel there and and other days you were just knocking out lukewarm yogurt pots at train stations which there's an art to it but not 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 necessarily that i wanted to get involved with so again it was trying to bring clients through and get them excited and see the potential of it when there weren't huge amount of examples to see brands doing it now that now brands can readily see that there's a plethora of um plethora of uh brands doing amazing and innovative work it started penetrating into things like can lions and dnads as well now so now it's kind of become standard but at that time it was again trying to do things a different way so you were trying to do that the measurement side of stuff which we always we we always said we were equal parts geeks and hedonists and they're kind of we've got the, the the brand experience has that kind of amazing emotion that you can't maybe get in some of the other channels but we had to back that with reliable ways of measuring the impacts of what we did. Otherwise, we just couldn't justify why those budgets should be spent in that, spent in that area. So we, we, we've been equally geeky in kind of putting that structure in place. I think that's broadly in terms of our area. In terms of the actual agency, implying it for things outside our discipline, there's, you know, there's, there's a whole plethora of reasons uh, why, why it can be difficult to pioneer this. And we actually mentor and support a number of other agencies. We, we firmly believe we've got a responsibility to pass the baton on. And I was very lucky to meet two super talented guys that had one from a finance background in, uh, in media agencies, one that had run a successful integrated agency. And these two guys kind of helped me with all the bits that I would have probably fallen up on or slipped up on or, or, or tripped over. And what was nice was when I met them, despite being successful guys, they couldn't, couldn't stop telling me about all the, all the mistakes they'd made along the way. And I think that's brilliant because I'm going to make plenty of my own mistakes. So if someone else can tell me about theirs and I can avoid a few along the way, that, that's brilliant. So when you set up a company, you've normally got a talent or a set of skills or a set of contacts and in an area where you're, you're super strong at. But there's often lots of bits around the outside, which is often the bits that get tripped up at. And you need to find people to help you navigate those. So, for example, if I take uh, Neil, our CFO, um, he put systems in place when we're an agency of five people that allowed us to grow to a, grow to an agency of 50 or 100 or 150 people and put again taking the 
the things out of the way. Or another thing often people get trips up on is getting sidetracked. You, you set for me, I set out to be an amazing marketeer, but I could have easily started the right, spent all my time writing HR manuals or trying to find offers to receptionists. So again, one of the things we do is have a big space that we invite uh, like-minded agencies that are slightly earlier in their journeys come in, and we take that that crap out the way to allow them to focus on what they're what they're really good at. So I think there's a structural stuff that's important. The other area I think, which I'm, I'm really, uh, really firm on is integrity. So when we set up, we set up to be the antithesis of what everyone else was. And it's, it's easy to quickly slide into that because no matter if, if you're going up against or trying to do something differently, there is that kind of, you kind of, as you actually, it's less risky. Uh, it's less when you're younger, but when you're developing, there's that temptation to conform when you've always tried not to. So the temptation to compromise in your vision is very real. And that's in a number of reasons. I think you're defined by the good work you do do, but you're also defined by the good work you choose not to do. So you'll be thrown challenges and distractions along the way that can easily sidetrack you. So for example, early on in our career, we worked for a big, uh, a big FMCG brand uh, uh, launched one of their launched what became their best-selling confectionery brand with them, which was an amazing brief. It was innovative. They were trying to go against the, the the sector and successfully did that. But because of that, we ended up being flavor of the month for, for, for that brand. And they kept trying to put more and more briefs in them. Now those briefs we could probably have done with the money because the money would have allowed us to invest in more, people and you know again that's what you're growing up you, you know that getting the talent is talents you're only as good as the talented individuals that choose to call you home it would have been good for that but then i'm sure we would have carried on doing smashing out doing amazing campaigns but those weren't the campaigns i set the up the agency to do so you get famous for that and then you get pigeonholed in that area and you get more briefs or more work in that area and then you end up just becoming an an agency by accident that's got expertise so the ability to say no to a brief when you know it's not right with your vision or doesn't conform with your vision is quite a hard thing, particularly when there's big numbers being thrown at you and there's lots of uh, lots of lots of people to kind of look after. So I guess out of that, one of the other guiding principles is always have more opportunities than people. People can be a big cost, but you, if you have more opportunities, that gives you the ability to have the integrity, so you can go back going, "This isn't right for us," or we don't think your briefs correct right and you don't our clients know it's about the quality of the work and the, i think our growth has been been because we've followed that principle not chased us for the numbers we've chased off after doing the best work and the numbers kind of follow that as well because you know we've walked away from quite big pieces of work because we didn't think it was quite right either for the client or f for us as an agency I like the idea of having more opportunities than people. I think we can all relate to that, Jonathan. But hold that thought. We're just going to take a quick music break and come back to our conversation in a few minutes. Jonathan, if I said to you, I really like Dirty Blues, would you know what I meant? Uh, not sure. <laughs> Me neither. Look, up until a couple of days ago, I was looking up Dirty Blues to make sure I... <laughs> <laughs> but I do know what it means now, honestly. This week's incredibly talented entrepreneur, this week's boss star, is Suzanne Noble from the UK. During the day, Suzanne runs Advantages of Age, a social enterprise which helps over 50s discover new pathways to employment. At night, however, 
everything changes. Suzanne transforms into one of the most talented singers we've ever showcased on Kiz's Friday Game Changers. Suzanne sings dirty blues and jazz from the 20s and 30s, and boy, does she sing it well. Here she is, Suzanne Noble performing My Handyman. said a good man was hard to find absolutely positively sure was blind i've got the best that ever was here's just some of the things he does he shakes my ashes greases my griddle churns my butter strokes my fiddle my man is such a handy man He threads my needle Creams my wheat Heats my heater He chops my meat My man Is such a handy man Don't care if you believe or not he sure is good to have around When my furnace gets too hot He's right there to cool my damper down For everything he's got a scheme You ought to see the new starter he puts on my machine My man is such a handyman Flaps my flapjacks, cleans off the table. He feeds the horses in my stable. Ooh, you can't get away from it. He's such a handyman. He really is God's gift, you know. Sometimes he's up long before dawn Busy trimming the rough edges of my lawn Oh, you gotta love it He's such a handyman Never has a single thing to say When he's working hard you really ought to see the way He handles my front yard My ice doesn't get a chance to melt away He sees that I get a fresh piece each and every day Kizzy's Friday Game Changers Taking your business to the next level Welcome back. And just before the break, you were listening to Suzanne Noble of Advantages of Age singing My Handyman. And I've got a note here that Suzanne's next gig is on the 3rd of October at the Green Note in Camden Town, London. I'm definitely going to go see them. I think you should too. 
But back to business, and I'm talking to Jonathan Emmins, founder of brand experience agency Amplify. Jonathan, just before the break, we touched on Amplify's social mission. Why is it so important to work with younger audiences? Um, again, probably twofold. I think I was, again, touching on what we just talked about, I was lucky enough to find people that believed in me when I was, uh, yeah, I, creatively frustrated and had a bit of a vision but didn't know quite how to channel it. And I do think there's the kind of... Uh, that there's a responsibility to pass the baton on. I think maybe less altruistically is, uh, I think, you know, for me, you get the purity of thought, you get the connections, you get the excitement from the younger audiences. And I, I, I think whenever we're kind of pulling together thoughts or ideas, it's always the younger audiences that we look to, to kind of be inspired, to co-create with to collaborate with and generally see what's next and uh that that's been a reoccurring theme through everything we do we've actually got um we were doing a lot of big kind of insight and research pieces kind of helping big brands join the dots between what they were doing and the audiences they were trying to engage but obviously that's their ip and they were looking after it and we were getting increasingly frustrated when in the media yeah, we we think young people are uh, you know our experiences are really positive, really pragmatic. It's really work around. I mean, there are lots of greys. Uh, the world likes black and white, so there's lots of grey and nuance. But we were seeing in the media, it's like snowflakes or enfeebled youths or robots and all these terrible things. And we're like, this isn't just isn't the audience that we're dealing with. It's you know amazingly inspiring audiences. They've been left with possibly not the best situation and you know we started this in 2016 and uh, uh and fast forward two years on young blood started off and it was a really uh, it's a research piece it's a film series where we kind of really get under the skin of audiences we've done it in the uk we're just about to launch the australian version in three weeks again lots of crossover lots of differences between the audiences uh regionally but yeah in in the two years from in 2018 compared to 2016 you've had things like brexit trump you've had all the data scandals you've had all these things happen yet this audience is still really positive albeit a little bit more inward looking because they've lost their trust and faith in politics institutions and sometimes now in brands as well so again we think we think this audience needs to be listened to and heard and i i don't think they are being listened to particularly well um there's certain areas where it is working. So in the old days, I think we talked, it was catwalk, cat, catwalk almost to council estates. You kind of, the catwalk set it. Even then, I think they were finding young creators, bringing them in and then trickling it down. Now it all trickles up because again, technology has turned things in the head as well. And that's where exciting things. You see all the high fashion brands now and they're all taking their cues from street culture. Just listening to you speak, I get a real feeling that uh, mentoring is really important to you, Jonathan. So just imagine for a second that somebody listening to this show decides that they want to set up their own brand experience agency. What advice would you give them that will help them avoid some of the problems and the challenges that you face when you got started? Well, that's a tough one. As I said, I was lucky to have a couple of guys that always let me make the mistakes, but always talk me through what, <laughs> what uh, let me make the decisions that I would make, uh, but always talk me through it on the way there. And I think maybe that's the first one is actually surrounding yourself by the right kind of people. And I think it's hard sometimes to work out who those people are because some people have a, uh, an interest or a, a point of view. And again, you can't, you know, it's that balance, isn't it? Between 
you've got this thought and idea that you should be following and other people come in and you there's certainly times where uh you i've doubted myself or you you know your belief is at a low or you know a, certainly in the early days then you know a big pitch you've got an opportunity that was kind of you knew would knock you up a couple of levels and you didn't quite get it that time and you take it hard but you have to take those learnings from it so uh i think it's balancing your vision and also getting making sure you're um, sense checking that without losing belief in yourself that makes perfect sense and the perfect note to end the show Jonathan we could talk for hours and hours but I've got to say that this conversation has been so inspiring for me and I'm sure that a lot of our listeners are going to walk away feeling they've learned a hell of a lot about the value of brand experience marketing entrepreneurs like you are an inspiration to everyone Jonathan no matter how old they are or the sector they're operating in I'd like us to stay in touch if we can so maybe in a couple of months time we'll come back and have another chat with you Find out what you're doing, how you're doing it, and share some more insight from the house of Amplify. Until then, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Cheers. Well, after talking to Jonathan, I think I've learned three very, very important things. First of all, your most unhappy customers are your greatest source of learning. Two, your goal as a company is to have a customer brand experience that's not just the best, but legendary. That's the only way you're gonna distinguish yourself from the competition. And lastly, I think it was Jeff Bezos who said, we see our customers as invited guests to a party and we're the hosts. It's our job every day to make every important aspect of the customer experience a little bit better. Does that make sense? I think it does. Playing us out is Our Lady of Dirty Blues, the wonderful Suzanne Noboy singing about her big, long, sliding thing. It's a trombone. See, big, long, sliding, it's a trombone. No, honestly. Ah, make up your own jokes. See you next week. I've been in every bar, been in every honky tonk, been trying to find my daddy with that low down piece of junk. Asked everyone to help me, cried, help me if you can. I'm trying to find my daddy, he's that trombone playing band. Where is my daddy? Tell me where is my daddy with that big long slat thing. I even asked a man that played a steel guitar. He said that you don't need him to be moved into the bar. He brought his amplifier, then he hitched it in my pluck. He plunked it and he planked it, but it just wasn't good enough. Cause I need my daddy, I need my daddy with that big long slap.
I opened up the door and Mr. Kennedy, he said I came to do some tinkling on your piano keys. I said, don't make me nervous. This ain't no time to tease. Just send me my daddy. Happy.